Welcome to NFL Draft Week on the Mike Drop. Charles Haley owns five Super Bowl rings, the second most in NFL history behind Tom Brady's seven. The Pro Football Hall of Famer and Cowboys Ring of Honor member stops by to talk about his draft experience back in 1986 when he was actually in a movie theater unavailable to take the 49ers call when it came in the fourth round. But more importantly, we have a very important conversation about mental health. Charles opens up about his struggle and how everybody needs to find one reason to live. You are not going to want to miss that conversation. Then longtime Cowboys radio voice, Babe Laufenberg joins us to remember his NFL draft experience. I bet you didn't know Babe was drafted on day one of the NFL draft back in 1983. He also tells us what he's downloading to have ready for his workouts on his elliptical to have him on his iPad. But first, We'll be joined by Natalie Jenkins, Vice President of the Dallas Chapter of WISE. That's Women in Sports and Events. Natalie talks about how women continue to rise in the ranks of sports executives nationally and here in Dallas, and how the Dallas Mavericks stepped up to support the launch of the DFW Chapter back in 2019. So let's drop the needle and let's go. Welcome to the Mike Trap Podcast. Kevin Sullivan here, joined by my co-host, Monica Paul, the Executive Director of the Dallas Sports Commission, and our next level intern, Marcus Carr. Monica, Sean Lee, retiring from the Cowboys. Big news in Dallas this week. How will you remember the great linebacker, two-time pro bowler, uh, fantastic leader with the Cowboys? How will you remember Sean Lee. I, you know, I think it's going to be a void there. I, I remember uh, he kind of brings the energy. He's that natural leader that the defense always relies on. Um, obviously, we'd really love to see him uh, stay here in market. I don't know what his plans are after after retirement. I've heard possibly uh, getting into some coaching, but uh, we've had a lot of players that uh, continue to call Dallas home even after they retire. And I know he's a great ambassador here within the community and. Uh, would would really like to, to to see him stay here and uh, get get even more involved and hopefully that's uh, that's something uh, of the future. It'll always be a, a, a tinge of question around Sean Lee about how great he could have been, maybe a Hall of Famer had he not had so many injury setbacks and and and, and tough injuries to to deal with. In fact, as a as a communications person, I I, I read with great interest his open letter. Uh, to the fans and his teammates and you know he thanked everybody it was really well done but the uh, aside from the Jones family the one name he mentioned was Britt Brown the Cowboys director of rehabilitation which shows you uh, just sort of sort of what he what he went through and I, I do think there's a good chance maybe after a year off uh, uh, you know to hit the reset button a little bit that you could see Sean in coaching. Sean, of course, was drafted by the Cowboys in 2010 out of Penn State. The NFL draft is underway. So we'll see uh, in the next couple of days how accurate Christy Scales and Mike Ducey were on the mic drop in, in recent weeks uh, with their predictions that the Cowboys would emphasize defense and in particular the cornerback position. Uh, what, what, in 2018, Monica, the Sports Commission was part of bringing the NFL draft to AT&T Stadium. What do you remember about that experience, which at the time Roger Goodell called a, a new bar being set for holding the NFL draft. Well, well, Sully, you know how we like to do big things here in, in Dallas and try to set different records. So uh, really going into it, our partners at AT&T Stadium and obviously the Dallas Cowboys 
Uh, we had a great local organizing committee to to work with the NFL, and uh, it was the largest theater that the that the draft actually occurred in. Never before had the NFL. Uh, done a draft inside a NFL stadium, so uh, what better location to do it than uh, at AT&T Stadium here within Dallas? Uh, it, it was a fantastic event, and and uh, I I got to walk the red carpet and uh, managed to go ahead and uh, walk it without uh, tripping or falling. So that was a that was a good thing. Uh, the NFL experience uh, that was a two day event out in the parking lot, so really an opportunity to engage with. The fans and even you know people that may not have been able to get a ticket into the draft um, uh, were still able to, to take part in some of the activations, see some of the players, and experience that. And it, one of the things I remember is you know you would think that there's majority cowboy fans uh, that would be attending just because it's here local, but man, uh, the, a lot of travel took place. Uh, a lot of people coming in from all over the area. Uh, and a lot of different fans, so Giant fans, Eagle fans, uh, um, and, and very loud at the same time. And I'd probably be remiss if, uh, if one of the other things I, I didn't mention was our, our great volunteers that uh, always come out. I think this was one of our largest pushes for, for volunteers for an event. Uh, but at the end of the day, very proud uh, to, to be the host of an NFL draft in 2018 and really uh, Look forward to engaging in conversations with the NFL on our, our next Super Bowl opportunity. Hopefully uh, that's uh, around the bend uh, soon. Let's, uh, we hope so. Let's get it back. We've got the Mavericks and Stars in their, in their stretch runs for the playoffs. Mavericks, of course, have, have been dealing with the absence of Chris Stepps Porzingis with an ankle injury, clinging to sixth place, desperately trying to stave off the trailblazers in the dreaded play-in tournament, which is a very scary proposition. Marcus, you're a hardcore Mavericks fan. What do you think is going to happen? Sully, I'm really, I'm really concerned about them going forward. Honestly, Luca has been carrying the heavy load lately, you know, playing more minutes than he should because the KP injury, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith has really come around, which I've been very impressed with his play, but I think they're, they're going to have to be really scrappy. And if, if they do get in that playoff game, I think there's, very, very solid reason why Cuban and Luca are very vocal about them not wanting to be in that play-in game because they know they, they might be in trouble. Yeah, it's a scary proposition. And of course, you're right about Finney Smith or Dodo, as his teammates call him. I'm sure he's been inspired by the fact that uh, for our 10th episode last week, we dedicated our performance here on the mic drop to number 10, Dorian Finney Smith. He's been playing well. So, so go Mavs here for the stretch run and let's avoid that play-in. You know, we had a, the, the Stars are also uh, facing a daunting task, finishing the season with a seven-game road trip, their longest road trip in almost 20 years. We had a definite mic drop moment recently, a couple of mic drop moments with uh, Jamie Benn becoming the first Stars player in, in team history to score overtime goals in consecutive games. And in the process, he tied Mike Madano for the most overtime goals in Stars history. Uh, Playing at Nashville Saturday night in a pivotal game with major playoff implications. Monica, you know, we saw it with the Winter Classic last year, which, which seems like five years ago. Uh, but it was, last, it was uh, last year, January 1st, 2020, before we knew what was about to hit us. Uh, Dallas-Nashville Dallas, has become a, uh, a, a strong rivalry. What do you think, what do you, how do you feel, uh, Monica, with the Stars heading into this road trip about what we can expect uh, for their playoff chances, trying to catch Nashville and, and get in. 
Well, Sully, I never count. Um, I never count the stars out. Uh, I love the rivalry that has kind of developed uh, through that Winter Classic and then in, into last year with Nashville. I've got some friends if, w- it, at Nashville, uh, so I think we'll have some bets going here. But uh, I, I think it'll be a little bit difficult for, from a star standpoint. Uh, this is a long road trip. Uh, we still have COVID protocols. You know, the inability to uh, leave your hotel room and uh, really just have to to sit and focus on on the next game. I think maybe a little challenge, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, go stars. And uh, I, I, I think we've seen them pull it out uh, before. So uh, I think they've got uh, all their fans behind them. And uh, even though they're not going to be at home, uh, I, I think they can still pull it out on the road. Well, and you're right. And as we saw last year with their run all the way to the Stanley Cup final, it's in the NHL, it's all about getting in because the most unpredictable playoff environment in professional sports. So everybody has a shot with the competitive balance we have in the, in the NHL. Uh, you know, Monica, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was episode eight, you had a conversation with Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby. And one of the things you talked about was, was the name image likeness issue with uh, student athletes being able to profit from their name, image, and likeness. And we saw last week that the Texas Senate passed a name image likeness bill, 28 to two, a resounding voted heads to the state house this is interesting in that Florida, California, Arkansas, Alabama, uh, what do these states all have in common? They're big football powerhouse states. They've already passed laws like this. Georgia is coming soon. These legislators don't want to be responsible for the best players leaving the state to go somewhere where the, where the rules uh, allow for them to, to, to profit. Uh, and the other thing we see here is these state legislatures have decided we're not waiting on the NCAA or the U.S. Congress to enact a national uh, law or set of rules and regulations. Uh, Bowlesby called it an extraordinary uh, change. Uh, I think he was surprised at how far it's gone. What, what do you, where do you think this is gonna, gonna land, Monica? Well, I, I think this is interesting. You bring up, bring up a lot of good points. I think there's over 11 states that have passed laws um, uh, and, and there's uh, six pieces of legislation pending at the US Congress right now. I think some of the states uh, uh, their laws go into effect as early as June, so the NCAA and uh, our, our U.S. Congress is really kind of under the gun. Uh, I, I think it proves difficult of if we're relying on name, image, and likeness uh, on a state-by-state level because each state's rules uh, are different, so it uh, really would make things a little bit difficult and interesting probably for student-athletes uh, determining where they're going to college based off of the different uh, laws that are in each state. So I really do see this as something that needs to be uh, determined at a, at a uh, nationwide level rather than a state-by-state level. So um, sh- should be should be very interesting in, in terms of how this is, is sped up here over the next uh, few weeks or few months. Um, but I, I know uh, a lot of the universities, conferences, obviously everybody uh, taking note of what's going to happen here. It was interesting with Commissioner Bowlesby here on the mic drop saying, at, on the one hand, he's surprised at how far and how fast this is moving. On the other hand, he said the time is right for the changes with a great sense of opportunity for young people. So, so good deal there. Lots to look forward to. And now let's go over to Rachel for a word from one of our sponsors. Hey, are you tired of nights in binge watching your spouse's or quarantine partner's favorite shows or waiting for the delivery service to bring you a lukewarm meal? Let's bring hot dogs and cold brews back. How? Hockey is back. 
That's right, your Dallas Stars. Remember them? Western Conference champs last year? Well, they're back and they're bringing the heat to the AAC ice while on their quest to bring the Stanley Cup back to Dallas. And the best part? Fans are welcome. Yep, dreams come true. So visit DallasStars.com today for all the best ticket deals and schedule information. Thanks, Rachel. Now we're pleased to be joined by Natalie Jenkins, the Vice President of the Dallas Chapter of WISE, Women in Sports and Events, whose mission is to empower women in the business of sports with the tools needed to reach their career goals. WISE provides peer support, mentoring programs, and professional development. Uh, really happy to have you on the, uh, on the program, Natalie, and thanks for all the good work that you do. Awesome. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate you guys having me today and, and representing WISE on the Mic Drop podcast. So Natalie, give us a little idea of how you got involved in, in WISE. I know that our WISE DFW chapter is uh, relatively new compared to some of the other uh, chapters out uh, in the United States, but how did you get involved and why was this so critical that we have a, a WISE chapter here in DFW? Yes. Um, you know, it's funny. I think it happened really organically, which is very much like the National WISE chapter was was established over 25 years ago in 1993. Um, you know, for them, it's funny. They had five people that I think got together, uh, went through their Rolodexes at the time, I think as they call it. And they said, um, you know, we'll, we'll get some women together and, and see who wants to help support other women in the industry. And I think they ended up with like 60 or so people that gathered in New York City back then. And um, for me, it was kind of the same way. Um, I was um, at the time working on the college football 150th anniversary and um, in talking with Kelly Carney, whose uh, Conference USA is based here in Dallas. Uh, somehow we got to talk about all the strong women that we have met and have gotten to know, and especially this Dallas market. And um, I had just started my own business and learned very quickly that um, this is so crazy, actually. When I opened my business account, they told me that women could not own uh, or open a business account until like 1988, which kind of shocked me. Um, so we're having this, all these conversations and we're like, well, why is there nothing in Dallas? I mean, there's all these strong, strong, wonderful women here in Dallas in the sports events and nonprofit industry. We got to, you know, do something. So again, very organically went through our phones. Who do we know? Who might be interested in this? Um, sat down at the original Pancake House. You've probably heard this story if uh, anybody tells you um, about why DFW, but it was Katie Wagner, Kelly Carney, myself, um, Megan Eisenhard, and um, Mary Hyde with uh, Fox Sports Southwest. And so it was kind of I, I think this is coming to me right now that this was five of us, just the way the actual national lies started. But yeah, so we had a fab five here in DFW as well that met at the um, original house pancakes and just decided that we needed to get this started. And we did decide to tether ourselves to the national chapter rather than starting something here um, on our own. And, and most of that was because the nature of sports and how um, national and international it has gotten and the ability to help, you know, if we're going to help develop women in this market, we wanted to give them access to individuals across the country um, and, and all of that. So that's kind of how it started. The rest is history. And then we were able to launch in September of 2019. Well, right before, um, right before uh, COVID hit. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and I, I'm going to have to take that stat of uh, women opening a business account uh, and, and that I'm going to have to do some research on that. That, that seems like it was uh, 
well, I won't say too recent, but my gosh, I thought we were much further along than that. Um, Natalie, what do you think your uh, biggest accomplishment in Wise DFW is? I mean, I know you're relatively young, and kind of where would you like to see Wise DFW go? So I think really our biggest accomplishment for Wise is the fact that, you know, you said it, Monica, we, we started in September of 2019 was our launch event. It was like, okay, we're here. It's 25 years later in Dallas, you know, Fort Worth finally has a chapter. And we um, had a wonderful retreat in January with a whole new board um, of individuals, both men and women, um, who were really dedicated to supporting women in this market. Um, we have, you know, at that time, we had just launched and three months later already had close to um, 200 members, which I think was exceptionally great from what we're learning from the other chapters across the country. And I think our biggest success was that that all happened in January. Um, we were in the middle of our um, main women of inspiration event um, at the um, just outside of the Conference USA basketball tournament in March when it was all getting shut down. And so here we are just getting ready to start and it's like the whole world, as everybody knows, I don't need to go into the details of what happened there last March, but I think our ability as a group and as a membership to never lose focus um, on what our goals were. Um, following that, we still did our Wise Within mentorship program for the first year. We just, you know, adjusted and did it virtually versus in person. Um, you know, there was a lot of things that, that we just continue to do. And I think that, um, there's a lot of good things that ha also happened um, in that first year, even though it was mostly virtual, we developed our coffee and collaboration series, um, you know, as early as last April. And um, that's become something that's kind of a mainstay and a great opportunity to have really personal and real meaningful conversations um, with our members. So um, I would say, yeah, I think that's that's been our um, biggest professional thing. I have some personal um, successes from, from the organization too, but as an organization, I think our, our focus and ability to get everything launched, even despite everything that happened in 2020. So I also teach uh, a class at SMU, Natalie, and, uh, I have a, uh, actually increasing number of, uh, ladies that are in my, my sports, uh, management class. What would you, what, or what, um, guidance would you give women, uh, and these up and coming uh, that want to be in the sports world about navigating a career in sports or getting into in, into sports and probably specifically here in the DFW area. Um, it's definitely and this is something that's since I was um, early in my career, but experience um, and getting to know people, I think, is what's going to help you get to that next spot and help you achieve your goals. And, you know, I think one of the things that's really unique to WISE is, you know, we do have professional memberships, we have corporate memberships, but if you were a student, and I wish this was available when I was a student in college, but if you're a student for $40, I sound like I'm doing a sales pitch here, but no, seriously, <laughs> for $40, <laughs> you can be a member of WISE as a student. And that just opens a whole group of opportunity, not just here in Dallas, but everywhere. Um, but I would say, you know, the people that you meet, um, you know, whenever you're sitting there and you're trying to decide who I need to hire, um, what I want to do, the people that you know are going to be the first people you go to. And so um, if I was giving advice to um, someone younger than me, I would definitely say get involved, get involved with WISE. Um, 
and and participate. You know, um, don't just sign up for the membership and and call it a day or you know passively listen to a couple of podcasts. But I think definitely participate, be a part of our coffee and collaborations, and get to know people. And don't be afraid to reach out. Um, I think I think all of us sometimes it's that's the hardest part is just reaching out. You just got to reach out and do it. So. Natalie, I want to talk about mentorship, but first we have to do a quick timeout here because okay. we, we have to explain to our next level intern, Marcus, that a Rolodex, it's a, these were paper <laughs> cards that were on a wheel that you could spin around. This is before there was a, a thing called contacts on your, on your iPhone. So just so, the, just so. Is this the, like the phone book thing you were telling me about recently too? I've never heard of one of those either. Yeah, kind of, kind of like that. So, so. And okay, it's funny because I don't have anything I could even show you. I have nothing close to a Rolodex, <laughs> but yeah, it's like if you took a bunch of business cards, you might not even use those anymore. But, but yes, um, and you stuck them on a wheel and turned it around in alphabetical order. Yeah, and the really big movers and shakers sometimes had multiple Rolodexes because they knew so many people they couldn't fit on one <laughs> on one wheel. Uh, this is this is a you know a really important topic, Natalie. In fact, my daughter Amy Schram is a member of the San Francisco Wise Chapter. Serves on the events committee there. She was a member of the DC chapter when she when she lived there. She I asked her to to submit a question as a Wise okay. member, and and she wanted to ask about mentorship. You know who mentored you, uh, and 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 also who in sports that you haven't met. Would you love to be able to sit down and have a conversation with over dinner? Gosh, um, that's a tough one. But the, the first one is very interesting because um, Kathy Francis, who um, oversees all wise national is a wonderful um, human being. Uh, she asked me the same question. So who was your mentor? And I said, Kathy, this is what's crazy. I mean, I worked for a lot of wonderful people um, I have a lot of male mentors who I worked for and really helped me in my career. But when it comes to like a woman in the industry that was really my mentor, um, I didn't really, it didn't come to mind super fast. Um, so uh, I think by me joining WISE, I feel like now I have, I could list the name of people that I could immediately call, lean on both personally and professionally for anything that I'm, you know, struggling with or have want some ideas or advice on. Um, so for me, I didn't really have one early in my career, which is unfortunate, but, um, you know, it all works out. So that's the first question. And then, gosh, um, who would I want to meet and talk to? Um, I don't know. I think you've stumped me. Uh, I'd have to think about that one. You guys didn't well, get that go, to me in advance. <laughs> All right, we'll, 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 we'll pick that one up uh, when we have you back one, one day. You know, here in Dallas, we have a lot of strong women in, in sports. You start with St. Marshall and Charlotte Jones-Anderson and, you know, way down the line. But I, I also think back to my early Mavericks days. And in the, in the 1980s, Ginny Hathout, now Ginny Bailey, was in charge of marketing. And that was a, you know, early on. So, so kudos to Norm Sanju for giving women opportunities with the Mavericks early on. And then, of course, I think of Sarah Melton, who for so many years was was just a, a trailblazer and an outstanding uh, communications chief there for the Mavericks. What, where do we stand in DFW in terms of the opportunities for women in sports and events? 
So we, and I, it's funny that you say the Mavericks because they really were the organization that when we meet, decided we wanted to do this. And when we said, you know, that we wanted to join the national um, and, and use the moniker of WISE um, here in DFW, you know, there's, there's a fee that's involved to, to join the membership and, and establish a chapter. And, you know, Scent um, was one of the main people that as soon as we brought it to her attention that there wasn't a chapter here, she was like, oh yeah, let's do this. So um, the Mavericks really stepped up. Um, they actually have a, an event today that they're partnering with the Texas Women's um, Leadership Forum. But I can't get over, um, and I'm just talking in the last like couple of years, I, I think that I've been here in Dallas for about six years. And like I said, you know, I was talking to Kelly and what's the organization and, and what can we do? I think um, there's so, I, I don't just say this because I'm the vice president of a wise, but there are some wonderfully talented, super smart women here in this DFW market. And, um, you know, when we talk about this September and having to honor, um, you know, women of inspiration, um, I think that's going to be tough for us to figure out who that's going to be here in DFW, because I think there are so many that are strong. And I think that um, we just, it, it's, there's a lot of opportunities here too, though. So I would say for DFW, if you like sports um, and you like events and you like nonprofit, there's so much here that DFW has to offer um, for that industry. That's why I love it here. Um, and I think that that's what's drawing a lot of talent here to this market as well. Um, the more and more we get events here, uh, Monica, as you know, um, and people relocate their headquarters here, um, it's just gonna get stronger and stronger, so. Well, Natalie, thanks for joining us here on the mic drop. All the best for continued success with this important work. But as we let you go, how can people learn more or become involved with WISE? Well, you can follow us, uh, WISE DFW, on um, social media. Um, or you can go to wiseworks.org. Um, that's where uh, the website is. And you can find out information about memberships and partnerships and things of that nature. So. All right, write that down, everybody. This is important, important stuff. <laughs> All right, thanks, Natalie. And now it, oh, over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Thanks, Kevin. Dallas is known for its big wins when it comes to sporting events, whether it be Final Fours, Winter Classics, Pro Drafts, or even international soccer matches. Dallas sets the standard, and now it's time for our biggest win yet. We want the 2026 World Cup. The Dallas Sports Commission is working hard to bring the World Cup back to our great city, and we need your help. Head over to DallasWorldCup2026.com to sign the pledge to bring it back. Be sure to follow us on all social media at World Cup Dallas to stay up to date on all things 2026 World Cup. Thanks, Rachel. And now we're, we're so honored to be joined by Charles Haley. Charles, of course, the first five-time Super Bowl champion. He's got more Super Bowl rings than any person on the planet whose name is not Tom Brady, who has seven. Charles, member of the Cowboys Ring of Honor, the College and Pro Football Halls of Fame. He founded the Tackle, for the Tackle Tomorrow Foundation in 2014 to improve literacy among young people. He's also a strong advocate for removing the stigma associated with mental health issues so people can get the help they need. Charles, welcome to the mic drop. Hey, thank you for having me. Before we get to the work of your foundation, which is really more important than, than talking about, about football, but the draft is underway in the NFL and you were drafted in the fourth round out of James Madison. First of all, uh, my daughter, Amy, who I just referenced with Natalie Jenkins is a proud James Madison graduate. Duke. So Duke. 
So, so go JMU. Uh, fourth round out of James Madison in 1986, there were by the 49ers. Charles, there were 95 players taken ahead of you. So you certainly proved the scouts wrong with, with your, with well, your hall of fame career. See, but what do you remember about draft day in 1986? Well, um, see what, what you did wrong was you, you gave a little knowledge, but um, the real knowledge is, is that uh, the 40, the 49ers, they knew they made a mistake. So they moved up to get me in the draft in the fourth round. So they traded to get up to, to be able to take me because they knew that it, they knew they had um, wasted a little bit of time with greatness because, you know, um, everybody don't have it. Smart move by the 49ers. Yeah. What, do you, what do you remember about, about being drafted? Um, what I remember is, is um, they called me. They didn't have a first-round draft pick. They called me in the second round said, we're going to take you. Nothing happened. Um, they called the third round and said, um, we're going to take you. And, you know, I'm going like, these guys full of crap. And so me and my um, ex-wife, we went to the, we rode our bicycles down to the movie theater and uh, watching a movie. And um, my roommate come down there driving down, talking about, you got drafted by the 49ers, you got drafted by the 49ers. They calling, they calling. I go like, yeah, they going to keep calling because we ain't coming till the movie's over because I thought they were pulling my leg. So, um, so <laughs> That's great. That, so, I mean, obviously you had a great career in the Cowboys and, and with the Cowboys and like so many uh, Dallas pro sports athletes, you decided to stay here. You're from Virginia. You played in San Francisco for a number of years. Why did you decide to stay in Dallas and make this your home and become so involved in the community? Well, um, number one, you know, I got four kids and, um, um, they were at that point in, you know, juniors or seniors, um, and they didn't want to leave the school. And um, how, uh, how dare me do it? And then um, I went through a divorce and um, I was not gonna give my kids a out by me going somewhere else to live. So I just moved around the corner, about, about a half a mile around the corner. So if they need some discipline, I'm really close there to give it to them. So um, that was the biggest reason to stay here. And, and the other reason is, you know what? I, I love the Dallas Cowboys too, you know. Um, um, Jerry is a, um, a unique individual man that, um, he, he he brings a lot of joy when I'm around him, man. He's um very energetic. He he's open minded and uh and <laughs> I do mean open minded too. Uh and and I love that. I, I you can um the straight talk that we can talk to each other as a man to man is is something that I embrace a lot. What what uh tell us about the work of the Tackle Tomorrow Foundation. I know you've helped a lot of kids improve uh, uh, their reading scores, reading level that, that they're at, young, young, young students. Tell us what your goals are there and what you hope to, what you are achieving and what you hope to do in the future. Well, um, Tackle Tomorrow is an um, at-school program, reading program um, that we, we do with I, uh, conjunction with iStation. And, um, and iStation teaches kids to read through animation. And I mean, it's one of the greatest software companies um, as far as me seeing kids' um, reading scores go up. Um, we we are in five schools, um, and we go into the schools that are about ready to close, um, schools that um, really don't have um, the technology um, to, to move forward. But um, the big thing for me, and um, I always tell the principals that um, um, 
I, I deal with, I don't deal with excuse, I deal with accountability and results. And if that is not part, that's not written on your page, then um, we, we don't work with them. And um, we have to, um, there's nothing, nothing in life for free. Um, our goals is to, uh, we feed the whole community. We, we do ESL classes, GED classes. Um, we're gonna, um, um, we're gonna do it all. Cause you know, it takes the whole community. And I know um, people say, you well, you should focus on the kids. You can't, you can't teach the kids unless you can teach the parents. So if, you can, if I can get the parents to you know, get that GED, um, go, go interview for jobs and stuff, it's, it's just showing the kid that I can, I can be better, I can dream. You know, um, I, I, my, my motto as I tell my kids is, is when you ask something, you, you're depending on somebody else, but when you dream, hey, it's yours. You're, not, you're depending on yourself. So I want the kids to learn to dream. How can people help either individuals or companies here, here in Dallas-Fort Worth? This, is, this issue is more important than ever because kids are falling behind, you know, coming out of the, out of the pandemic. How can people help? Well, um, um, they can go to tacklethemorrow.com, um, read about what we're doing. Um, I'm, I'm big on accountability. So um, every dollar that's, that people give, they can hold my ass accountable for it. Um, and um, as I do others, and um, I, my, my motto in life is, I, I go back and I tell companies the good, the bad, and how I'm gonna fix it. And then it's on them whether they choose to continue to be a part of Tackle Tomorrow. Um, um, you know, I'm my mama's son, you know, I'm, uh, I believe that um, you should do things out of compassion because love blinds you, but compassion helps you to pull people forward. And, um, and that's what I want to do, because I see myself with these kids. Um, I was reading two, three grade loves behind when I went to college. And, um, and that's why when you walk into James Madison, you'll see my Hall of Fame bus right there, because they gave me an opportunity. I had to work my ass off to graduate. That was the hardest thing I ever done in my whole life. But they gave me that opportunity. I, I couldn't go home in the summers. I had to stay there. And I mean, you know, hey, I love my mom so much. And I was just, I wanted to go home. She slapping me, telling me, you ain't, you're going to graduate. And um, so when people go there, I want them to understand that there's some things, people can't take your education away from you. They can take a whole bunch, they can lock you up, they can shoot you, whatever. But, um, your education, nobody can take away from you. So, Charles, I have to interject yeah. here because I have to thank you for these beautiful flowers. Kevin, um, you know, this is how talent is treated here in the in the studio when, whenever you come join us. So, Girl, thank I you saw very angels much. in here. I said, damn. <laughs> Charles, that, that is impressive. You, you, you're setting a bar pretty high for, for every guest that's to come. Yep. Well, hey, you know what? Um, that's what we do, right? Yep. So Charles, uh, literacy isn't the only thing you're passionate about. Uh, mental health, erasing the stigma about it, uh, is something that is very important to you, uh, something you've been very vocal about, in, including opening up about your own diagnosis. What message do you have for people about this? Um, the, the thing that, um, I, I, as, I, as I talk to young people, and, and um, 
and I don't think um, psychiatrists and counselors really understand. Um, it ain't the stigma. It's, it's the, it's a, um, you know, it's a manic, you know. It don't matter if you're a depressive um, personality, but you go up, and that down part is the part that, that, that makes people hurt themselves. It's a depression. And, you know, you go a little bit, but when you start dropping, you don't have a reason if you don't have a reason to live and 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 that's what I make kids I make everyone that wants my help they're gonna sit there for 30 40 minutes without running their mouth and then come up with one reason to live for and every time when when that moment comes when you think about something else you think about that one reason and and I tell them I said um, um, my run one one reason is is that I fell on my knees at, when I was a kid after I tried to commit suicide, and I said, God, just give me one thing to be great at, and he gave me football. So, and as I became a bigger Christian, I realized that if I commit suicide, I can't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So, every time that when, when those moments comes, I think about what the blessings he gave me, and then I can't, I can't, I can't be with him. So, um, but everybody has to find their own reason to live. And and if we we can't do that part, if you don't even get help, just find one reason to live for. And and the other thing is friends are cowards. They know what that friend they, they know. It's when I talk to NFL parents, I tell them, I don't blame your son when they do stupid things because you know what? You know exactly what he's dealing through. And every team has all these psychiatrists and counselors back here but you choose to keep your mouth closed. So I said, I blame you. And so as a parent or as a, as a friend, we, we must um, let them know, we can't force them to do anything, but every day you can let them know you love them, no matter what. And, and I think for me, that was the biggest thing. Yeah, you've accomplished so much. And uh, you know, uh, through struggling, how did you how did you do that to be able to accomplish everything that you've done in your career and still be able to be a good steward here within the community and ambassador and, and, and giving back? Ma'am, I'm broken. I am broken. I've, I've done, I've, I've done whatever I, I came to my head and, um, and I realized that, you know what, uh, that's not, that's not the Charles Haley I want to be remembered as. This, you know, every day I, w- I wake up and go like, um, who am I and how I'm going to be remembered. And what I do today is how I'm going to be remembered tomorrow. So that's, that's my fight. And, and as I tell players and people, yeah, I, I believe in social justice, um, but taking one knee doesn't, doesn't do anything. Taking your ass down there and, and really helping these kids get an education, go down, let them know they love them, hey, it's simple to do one that little one thing. Hey, when you go move your feet, you know, as as um my my biggest saying is I, I tell people is that if your words don't have legs and your legs don't create action, shut up. Okay? And and that's what I live by. Charles, do you ever stop to allow yourself to reflect for a minute on all the people who you have helped? by opening up about your personal story and your diagnosis. You're so vulnerable, you're so open and honest about it. 
you know you're helping people out there. You think about that much? I, let me tell you, um, and this is every time I open up and talk about uh, my trials and tribulation, it is it's painful, it's draining, um, but it's necessary. It doesn't get easier. The more I talk about it, doesn't make it easier because you know you 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 bring up all that all that negativity. What I because what I tell people is, you know what, I don't I don't look behind me because that's all that all that crap is still back there. If I turn around, I'm gonna see it. I try to keep looking forward, but every time I I go open up and let people see inside of me, see that see that kid inside of me trying to get out screaming it, it it takes away from you so i just want people to know that it hurts to come out and just say these things so if you hear it listen to it because um i do it because i love you and i want you to have a better life i don't want you to have to go through all the things struggles i had to go through hurt all the people that and and walk out the nfl with only a few friends because um I didn't want anybody to get close to me, so I'd rather fight them than talk to them. So, Charles, uh, with accomplishing so much, what else is on on that bucket list for you? Uh, what do you have coming up? Well, my bucket list is easy. Um, my 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 dream is I want to impact the kids' lives, and um, and that's it. Um, and I want to I want to take um, the mental Ill- illness platform. I want to take it for. I want to get um, people to start really opening it up. Um, in California, I did a couple community college um, events and um, you know it was packed and you know people asked real questions. You know, people in the audience was crying because I can't tell them what to do. I could tell them what I did. I could tell them how I felt. And you know, at the end of the day, that's what we're gonna have to do. As a nation, we're gonna have to open up. And you notice more and more players are coming forward talking about it. we supposed to be that heroes and and I just want people to know I'm broken I'm, I'm tore up from the floor up you know so um I just want people to know my, that's my goal my goal is not to become um Rockefeller my goal is to um be Mother Teresa to, to yeah. live this part of my life blessing others and being yeah. being a blessing you mentioned Charles the players now are speaking out did you want to speak out as a active NFL player in the 80s and 90s, but you knew it wasn't safe, people wouldn't, weren't ready for it. I mean, how, Speak how, out about how tough what? is that? About mental illness? Yes. Oh, no, hey, no. When I was playing, hey, yeah, that's a weakness. I would I thought that was a weakness. Um, and when, you, when you're around a bunch of alpha males, man, shoot, it'd be blood in the water. Hey, and so, um, hey. You you wanna you wanna keep everybody at bay, and you know you fight you try to fight that battle yourself, and um, and you lose a lot of times, and and that's why I said I I didn't get a chance to make friends because I didn't want everybody to know about that kid inside of me screaming, uh, because if I let somebody in, then they may find out hey, hey you know and and I didn't want that. Charles, thanks for joining us here on the mic drop. What you've what you accomplished as a player, uh, Hall of Fame career, but you're having a Hall of Fame post career too. And we are so grateful to you for all you're doing to help so many people. Everybody, check out the Tackle Tomorrow Foundation and get involved in supporting the great works that Charles Haley is doing. Thank you again, 
Charles, and over to Rachel for a word from one of our sponsors. Looking to get out of the house in a safe way? Try having a relaxing weekend at a spa or a fun family staycation for spring break. The Omni Dallas Hotel is right in the heart of downtown, within walking distance to some of the area's best restaurants and unique shopping. The Uptown Terrace Infinity Pool is a family-friendly retreat during the day and a great place to watch a romantic sunset over the Dallas skyline at night. Go to omnihotels.com Dallas for the best offers and plan your post-quarantine staycation today. Because why? Big wins happen here. Thanks, Rachel. And now we are so pleased to be joined by Babe Laufenberg, longtime radio voice of the Cowboys, all-around great guy, friend of the program, a community stalwart. Babe, welcome to the mic drop. Kevin, I didn't know I was all those things. I'm going to have to get working on my resume. You are all those things and, <laughs> and more. I didn't mention, by the way, that Purdue has beaten Indiana nine consecutive times in basketball. I left that out of your, of your intro, uh, but it's but great to have you on the program. And If I may say something, Kevin, I don't know if you followed <laughs> last season in the Big 12 or the Big 10 or whatever they're calling it today, but uh, we're a football school. Yeah, the way we look at it is Indiana launched a global pandemic to get out of playing <laughs> Purdue for the for the uh, old oaken bucket. But uh, I guess we shouldn't joke about that. But uh, no, you're you're right, and 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 uh, we got to get going. And in and, and Coach Brown, we trust, but we got to get going and, and back on the gridiron, babe. Uh, you know, obviously the draft is underway. The NFL draft. You were picked in the sixth round in 1983 by the Redskins, uh, 168th overall out of out of Indiana. What do, you, what do you remember about that day, that experience? Something we just asked uh, Charles Haley about. He was in a movie theater when he found out the 49ers drafted him. What was your draft day experience like? Well, as you mentioned, that was 1983. And uh, ESPN was in its infancy at that time. I think they were in like 52 homes. And one of them was not my college apartment in Bloomington, Indiana. So literally, it was a Tuesday, Wednesday draft. And when I say literally, it was Tuesday and it was Wednesday. It wasn't held at the night. So started at nine, nine o'clock. So I'm sitting there just staring at my olive green phone, which is on the wall, waiting for a, a call that day. So the draft starts at nine o'clock, Kevin. Uh, at 9.01, my phone rings. And I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm the first pick in the draft. And everybody assumed it was going to be Elway. But I was like, oh, they obviously flipped here. I pick up the phone. It's my sister from California. Have you heard anything, babe? Have you heard anything? I said, no, they're a minute into the draft and get off the phone because call waiting has not been invented yet. So I hung up the phone on my sister. This happened kind of throughout the day there, Kevin. So I actually went over, there's a, a golf course, uh, student golf course there in Bloomington. And so I went over, played a little golf and came back and found out from my brother, who was my agent, who's an attorney, uh, that Washington had drafted me. So that's how I, that's how I found out. I just... The phone just kept ringing and it was never a team. It was always somebody saying, have you heard anything? So it was a little nerve wracking from that standpoint. So I left and came back and Washington had drafted me and I was very happy about that. That is uh, in classic Babe Laufenberg fashion, a, a, an entertaining story. Well, uh, before we get, before we yeah, get to what you want, you're downloading. You want another entertaining story, Kevin? Yeah. Okay, so in today's world, obviously the draft has become a uh, mega television event. And it's really an event that the minute this draft ends on Saturday, there will be mock drafts out on Sunday for next year. 
So it's become a year-round event uh, for the for NFL fans and draft picks and everything else. But uh, you, you go back at that time, there were 12 rounds in the draft. Six were held on Tuesday. Six were held on Wednesday. So kids today will come up and they know you played or whatnot. And they say, oh, Mr. Lofmer, Mr. Lofmer, which round were you drafted in? And I say, I was the first day draft pick. And then they say, oh, you were a first rounder. And I kind of walk away because I never want to lie to anyone. But at that time, I was a first day draft pick because they had six rounds on the first day. I don't fill that little detail in, Kevin. Now you can you can leave that out there. That's 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 honest enough. So before we get to what you're downloading for our what are you downloading segment, you know many of us here are following the the progress of the memorial for your son Luke at Texas El Paso. What can you tell us? Where does that stand, and how can people uh, participate? Well, thank you very much. Yeah, it's uh, what we started up. It was originally going to be an endowment for a scholarship in his name, and then my son Joe Willie his brother said, you know, we should do something that would benefit the entire team. And I thought that was a fantastic idea. And when Luke was at Texas A&M, uh, the one thing he loved was a protein shake. I mean, they could go in, they'd get steak and eggs at two in the morning if they wanted to, but he just talked about this protein shake. So we set up a nutrition station at the University of Texas El Paso in his name. Now COVID has made it a temporary uh, nutrition station, but it's actually the Luke Laufenberg Fight Nutrition Station. And uh, we are gonna do a permanent one. It's gonna be permanent. They're working on it as we speak. So by the time training camp starts for the UTEP football team, it'll be in operation. And if anyone wants to get on and donate, it's pretty simple. You go to Google, either Luke Laufenberg Fight uh, Fund or Luke Laufenberg UTEP, and it'll pop up. So I appreciate it and I can't wait till they really get the, the final version going. So after every practice, every workout, the, all the football players are gonna come off. They're gonna go to the Luke Laufenberg fight station and they're gonna get their protein shake. Well, mic drop listeners, write that down and, and, and go start that. You know, we were all inspired by Luke's fight and the post that you did on social media. Uh, and and you, you're really turning uh, such a sad chapter into something that'll end up benefiting a, a lot of people, which I know is, is, is what the Laufenberg family is about. So, so all the best on, on that, babe. And, Thank you. and so now it's time to, to talk about what you're streaming, what you're downloading, what <laughs> recommendations do you have for our mic drop audience? Well, I, I'm gonna sound like a one trick pony, right? But what I've really been getting into lately, Kevin, is you can get onto YouTube and you can find all these great coaching videos. I just watched Nick Saban do an hour clinic on cover two and cover three defenses, how to play it, how they teach it. And I always say true knowledge comes after you think you know everything, right? And hey, I played eight years in the NFL. I played for Bill Walsh. I played for Jimmy Johnson. I played for Joe Gibbs. You think you've learned a little football, but you can always pick up new things. And uh, I get on my elliptical. That's where I do my exercise. Uh, I don't go to the gym, so I've got an elliptical at home. And I get my iPad and I put it on and I watch these coaching clinics and I'm, I'm just fascinated by how these guys teach and you know, the different techniques that they have. So on the, on the football end, that's one. Um, the other one is Bill Jones, who's a longtime media figure here and now CBS 11 anchor. Uh, he and a producer, a guy named Cody Winstead, who's just a tremendous guy. He actually works for the NFL Network. Bill Jones and Cody do a podcast called 
jonesing for football. Imagine that. So I, I've been listening to their stuff during the week about the draft. And uh, I will tell you this, Kevin, there's a lot of blowhards on the draft. Everybody thinks they sit on their couch on a Saturday and they watch a game and then they're a draft expert. Oh, you got to take this guy. And what I like about uh, Bill and Cody's presentation is they don't try to pretend like they know more than anyone else. They have fun with it. And uh, again, it's a great little podcast called Jonesing for Football. Two good recommendations. So, uh, babe, let's hear what uh, what Monica's downloading and let's see what, what she has to offer this week. Oh, Sully, you know, mine is never uh, sports related, but I have something first uh, to, to say. Uh, I think Marcus is getting a lot of education today because not only have we talked about the Rolodex, but we talked about landlines <laughs> and call waiting as well. And I'm not sure he knows about either one of those. So this is a, such an innovative podcast that we have going on. I'm, I'm quite impressed. Uh, Significant history lesson for me. <laughs> we'll try to keep it going for you, Marcus, every every week. Um, well, for, for me, my download is I, I'm in the midst of a renovation project. So anything HDTV, uh, uh, kitchen renovation uh, and flooring and tile and that sort of thing, that's, uh, that's my download for, for the week. It's uh, causing me a little anxiety and stress. I, I, I don't do well in picking paint colors. So <laughs> that's what I have going on. Well, Monica, right, I must good. say... Along the same lines, your renovation is really no different than the NFL draft. <laughs> they're they're, renovating, they're Re renovating their football team. Yep. You're renovating your kitchen. There we go. Thank you for <laughs> putting that uh, sport tie-in in there. I, <laughs> I think I drive Sully nuts. He's like, I never know what she's going to say on this downloading segment. But I'm like, I do sports all day. I don't want to download uh, uh, sports in the evening as well or on the weekend. So... Well, it's always interesting, Monica. And babe, I, th I think you're going to like uh, my offering for this week. You know, we've spent a lot of time on movies and TV and podcasts in our previous 10 episodes. And I'm coming at you with music, with a music recommendation today. This is the 60s Songs That Explain the 90s podcast by Rob Harvilla of The Ringer. 60 Songs That Explain the 90s. It's Spotify exclusive. So keep that in mind because they play the, the songs. And here's the sports connection. C, C and C Music Factory, gonna make you sweat, which of course, uh, everybody dance now, uh, in parentheses, one of the great sports anthems is one of the featured songs. Enter Sandman by Metallica. I listened to that episode this morning. Who, can, who, who hears that song and doesn't think of Mariano Mar Rivera's, Rivera's, yeah. that slow <laughs> walk in uh, from the Yankees bullpen. Yeah. Uh, and of course, we have Master P with Make Him Say, uh, which I've never heard the song. My son-in-law, Eric Schramm, sent me the video, which was a basketball setting. And of course, Master P, a.k.a. Percy Miller, was actually on the 2004 Denver Nuggets Summer League team, played in the CBA and was in training camp with the Hornets and the uh, Raptors. So lots of lots of sports connections but if you're a music fan rob harvilla of the ringer really breaks down the band the song what was going on at the time and some really cool really cool really cool stuff i know now babe and monica there is a lost episode of the mic drop uh that featured babe in what was kind of a test run and and babe told some great bruce springsteen stories including uh the time that, that you met springsteen so we're going to maybe someday, you know, Tony Faye is our impresario here. Maybe that lost episode will appear in an anniversary or a box set collection or something. Now, Marcus, a box set used to be something with these things called CDs. So uh, 
but babe, maybe that, that, that conversation, I don't think Springsteen's going to make the list of 60 songs that explain the nineties, but this might right. be something you're interested in. Well, I will say, uh, I did, I guess it's a radio equivalent of a pilot, right? In television, they have a pilot and then the, the studios and the network see, Hey, are we going to pick this show up? So I was in the pilot is the way I look at it. Now, when they did the pilot for Seinfeld, okay, Jerry Seinfeld was in the pilot. And when the network said, yeah, you know, NBC said, yeah, we'll pick that up. Seinfeld was then in the show. So I made it to the pilot. So how the heck did I not make it to the first episode, Kevin, Monica? That's all I want to know. That's all on Tony Faye. Yep. I'm just, yep. you know. Babe, you know, Monica, well, Monica's in charge, really, because this is the oh, official podcast of the Dallas Don't throw Sports me under Commission. the bus. But, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm strictly talent here, babe. I'm an amateur at being talent, but I'm, uh, you know, you'll have to take that up with headquarters. Well, Kennedy once said, uh, do you remember this, Kevin? John F. Kennedy? I remember John F. Kennedy. I, I, don't, I don't think, Mar Marcus is going to have to go to Wikipedia, but I, well, I do remember yeah, he said, victory has a thousand fathers, defeat is an orphan. Well, that, that's, so, that's a good so line. So you're taking all the, Kevin Sullivan is taking all the credit, but whenever there's an ounce of blame, oh, that was Monica. Yep, yep. No, that was Tony. <laughs> we always blame Tony, you know, so, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, thank you, babe. This has been a blast as always have, having you on. On behalf of Monica Paul and the Dallas Sports Commission, thanks for listening. Thanks to babe, Charles Haley. What a, what a conversation we had with Charles Haley. Natalie Jenkins of Wise. Thanks to the Mic Drop production team, Chris Amelia, Marcus Carr, and our showrunner, Tony Fay. Until next time, thanks for listening.